this whole season, I could barely make eye contact with RuPaul because it's RuPaul. And that moment was the first real time that I made eye contact with her. And I literally, mm. it was a staring contest by myself, but it was a staring contest yeah. with Ru. And I'm like, if you're going to send me home, you're at least going to look me in the eye and I'm going to yeah. look you in the eye and it will be what it is, whatever it is. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Joey Nolfi, Entertainment Weekly's RuPaul's Drag Race reporter. And I'm Jillian Cedarholm, Entertainment Weekly's news director. You'll have to excuse me. I've just come down with a severe case of drag delusion this week, and they're still working on a cure. Well, you can go right to Mistress Isabel Brooks for the uh, drag delusion vaccine. She apparently was handing them out on the set of our interview. So um, glad <laughs> to see that this has come full circle. And we finally got the reveal of drag delusion and its origins on this episode. But today, we are broadcasting a very special episode of EW's Quick Drag Live from a Best Buy in Connecticut where national employees and loyal customers of the electronic store chain have congregated in support of their patron saint, RuPaul's Drag Race Season 15's latest eliminated queen and former Best Buy employee who also in that round of interviews told us that she once sold TVs in full drag during her shift before gigs. Miss Regional Manager Robin Fierce, who will be joining us later for a candid Q&A, as will extra special guest Malaysia Baby Doll Fox, who talked Talks about the heated drama of Untucked in the song selection process during this week's girl group musical challenge. But Jillian, for now, I just I, I really need you to focus and please just stop harassing the employees. They do not sell haunted dolls named Booger at Best Buy. I need you to know that. Do not bully me, Joey. I'm just switching all the TVs over to real friends of WeHo to try to clear out the store so we can record. <laughs> Those TVs are going to be switched off so quickly. We are going to make this uprising at Best Buy even worse after two Connecticut queens went home two weeks in a row. Oh, my gosh. They did. We, we need to they, – they really did. I mean, Connecticut is about to secede from the United States. I feel like it is just uh, – it's we're losing the – as quickly as we gain the Connecticut queens, <laughs> yes. we are losing them right again. Um, so our hearts go out to Lucy and Jax, <laughs> who are now on their own representing the state of Connecticut. But we do need to get into this recap of episode six before we talk to Robin and Malaysia. The episode titled Old Friends Gold uh, began with RuPaul like temporarily replacing the pit crew for about five seconds with the old (laughs) gaze of social media fame, who returned later to talk about the history of the gay community and the impact of the HIV AIDS crisis. I, I did find it funny, though, that when Lucy asked them what elements of queer culture were we've been losing in recent years that nobody said the last 30 minutes of 90 minute drag race episodes which i felt would have been appropriate (laughs) (laughs) save it for the comedy challenge um but i do let's get into that because i you seem to have changed your stance a little from our first episode about how we feel about the shorter episodes and no longer yeah. approve of the format. I think. I think I'm. I. I think I'm uh, changing a little bit too. Although I would not say it's ruining the season for me. Um, but I do want to put it into perspective because I was looking this up. We're now at twelve queens, which mm-hmm. is the same number of queens and episode length that we had on season five, episode yes. three, which feature mm-hmm. featured the historic mini challenge where we introduced Little Pound Cake. Uh, a main challenge <laughs> where they did the kid TV shows, a pink runway that had Coco Montrese and her very memorable little girl outfit yes. and then her lip sync with Monica Beverly Hills. And so that yes. seemed like a very 
memorable, jam-packed episode versus this episode where we had a lengthy fight over music selection, a girl group <laughs> performance, and then a blink and you missed it runway. So like, why yeah. does this feel so short now that it's comparable? And what is making you change your tune on not wanting shorter episodes? Yeah, this is a really interesting discussion because I feel like it's a discussion that literally everybody from the Queens to, you know, even <laughs> we saw like, fan favorite guest judge Lonnie Love weighing in on this on uh, social media. And we'll get into that a little bit later too. But I just think that it feels like they, and I, again, have no clue. I, I have no clue on whether this is true or not. This is just my theory is that they went into those earlier seasons knowing they were shooting for a 60 minute format. And it feels like with this one, they almost it's almost like it came in at the last second to, to the decision to cut it down to 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I've seen certain things online. We have no idea whether or not it's true that like MTV wanted it down to that length so that they could sort of play them in succession on reruns, which that makes sense from like a TV standpoint. But I just feel like it feels like instead of filming to fit the format, it almost feels like taking what they had which was l a lot more material and like hacking it away to fit into a 60 minute format. That's my issue. And I think it's becoming a little bit more apparent as we go on through the season. Like I think it, it became evident really whenever we f got the snatch game episode and we didn't get the walkthrough. And that's just yeah. something that we've had for so long. And then also like, I'm really missing the whole like silence, bring back my girls <laughs> and the judging deliberation. It's like, we're not even yeah. getting that. So I think that, when you are filming and you can allot for that, you can adapt it into the smaller format. But it just kind of feels like, yeah, they maybe didn't know. And now they're kind of editing it to get it down on MTV, which I mean, you know, get your flowers on MTV, do what you got to do. But I just think that you can definitely, you're, it's, as the season is going on, you can feel it more. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I totally buy the excuse that it's because they wanted to rerun them later because we see that with like SNL is an hour and a half and then they show a vintage show either before or after depending on your time zone and that's an hour long like best of essentially so if that were the case I wish that they would show us the lengthier one and then edit it down later for when they're showing it all day long uh the rest of the time yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. I, I yeah, I don't know. I, I I can think I think we can just safely say that we're not maybe gonna see this again going forward, just because like I said, they you see the queens are talking about it on social media and that just everybody seems to be talking about this. So uh I, I think it's become an issue that's maybe but again it goes back to like the whole thing that I was saying before is like with this fandom, like you cannot win with this fandom. No matter what they do the fans are going to find some way to pick it apart. <laughs> and I just think in this instance, though, there there's maybe a little bit more of a justification for that. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, because everybody was complaining when it was 90 minutes. And then now they're complaining that it's 60 minutes. And it's just like, in, in the words of our great 
uh, pop culture icon Susan Powder. Like, which one, guys? Like, you gotta you gotta make up your mind. Yeah, I, I feel like this podcast is just every week is like, how are we gonna shit on the fans, assuming what they would be complaining about? But it's true. I mean, it is the it's we're you know to be clear, we're talking about the fans that are vocal and do choose to yes, attack the queens right, right, or right, say right, opinions right, right, in maybe right. a negative way. We're also Drag Race fans. We don't hate them. Well, all. Yes, that's. But, right. No, I don't mean that. Yeah. I mean, what, I, I just almost feel like when you say the fans, it's like everybody in this fandom knows that when you say the fans, you actually mean just like the toxic portion yeah, of this fandom. Exactly. You don't mean everybody in the fandom. Exactly. Um, okay. So back to this episode, RuPaul is in the workroom wearing a Mr. Rogers in Palm Springs sweater <laughs> to announce the girl group <laughs> challenge. The queens get into groups to choose between three genres of music, country, metal, and hip hop, which they'd perform as a gaggle of grand in geriatric drag mistress and lux quickly made things interesting when they claimed metal for their group and would not budge telling team malaysia baby doll fox that the decision was final which did not sit well with malaysia and sasha colby and that led to our first major clash in the workroom of the season it was a it seemed never-ending battle between who was getting metal and not wanting to budge i still really don't understand the difference between saying absolutely not to playing rock, rock paper, scissors for it, but picky, drawing it out of a paper bag was an okay resolution. Um, Joey, you did a couple of interviews preseason with these queens, and they promised that we would have um, more drama this season. Did this clash oh, yes. deliver on that to you? I think it laid the foundation for maybe what we are going to see later in the season. This this felt like a very good, fun teaser as to what's to come, because as we can see in the preview for next week, it's apparently going to start right away with more. And I think it might evolve from like Mistress and Malaysia, who I think when they're in that workroom and you would like, you know, Mistress comes over to her. And she talks about the drag delusion thing. Yeah. I think that you can tell that they were both maybe trying to make good TV there. But it seems like, in the, at least in the preview for next week, they um, are <laughs> maybe the lines between drag delusion are blurring <laughs> and like drag delusion and reality are like blurring even more and they actually are getting into it. Yeah. But Malaysia, uh, in our interview, she actually, yeah, it seems to tease that uh, this is this is only the beginning for this. Well, she wouldn't say it outright. I tried to get her to, but it, it seems like she's suggesting that there might be more coming down the line. So I was actually a big fan of Mistress and Malaysia's dynamic in this episode. I mean, I think it yeah. harkened back to Mistress and Irene's dynamic in episode one, which I was also a yes. big fan of. It just seemed like sisterly reading and yeah. just nudging over something that was actually really small. But it did get to the point where... It, Mistress seemed to be winking the whole time, and it kind of got to a point where Malaysia in the confessional was, I can't remember how she put it, but that it was like that Mistress was egging her on to try to maybe have her do poorly in the challenge after the fight. And so then it got to a point where I'm like, oh, like, is is Malaysia actually on the same page as Mistress or not? We know that they are postseason. They seem like very good friends. They're, I was just tuned into a Twitter family, space they yeah. did last night and they had that exact same dynamic where Mistress was like <laughs> pushing and pushing and pushing and you kind of got to a point even on the Twitter space where Malaysia was kind of like, okay, I don't know if this is going to joke, but I am actually a huge fan of that. Um, yeah. So I, like, how, like, does that start to make you feel 
uncomfortable when you're watching kind of like a cringy dynamic like that or like you know quote unquote almost bullying type of scenario or how do you like that workroom dynamic not not in the context of reality tv and i i would i wouldn't cringe at that on the context of reality tv because like mistress has said in our past interviews like she's there to make good tv and i think she's you know doing that where i think it becomes contentious is when like you said when it maybe starts to tip into like one queen is like maybe not uh still on board with it after a certain point because i do think malaysia was genuinely bothered by a lot of this and it again can be chalked up to the pressure of the competition and the standards or you know the parameters of the psychological parameters of the show and doing the show it's like it weighs on you and i think that we did finally see that start to have a breaking point for malaysia and she even says in the episode like i just feel like i've been poked at the entire season and maybe that's why it came out in those moments but she Mm -hmm. did have in our interview malaysia that's coming up malaysia she does have an interesting theory on how this whole clash started she actually says that it reminded her a lot of the whole uh shangela um Mm -hmm. music selection process back from season three where she was like i felt like they were just saying at the beginning that they wanted the one that they didn't actually want because they wanted us to pick the one that they didn't want so they could have you know the other one but then I think maybe it did, whether her theory is correct or not, it completely went in the opposite direction. So uh, it was yeah, it was fun it to watch, but obviously probably not that much fun in the moment. Yeah, but I thought it was very smart of the hip hop group to just choose that. Because if they knew that they didn't want country, just take your number two pick. And I, I think that yes. I would have assumed that Selena, if, like, if that hadn't happened, that Selena, who did initially want hip hop... Uh, but ended up in the country group, probably would have said, hey, guys, let's just do hip hop. I think we could do a good job. Um, Yeah. But smart of that group to grab it. Mm -hmm. So next, the girls hit the main stage to prepare their vocal performances and lyrics and practice their choreography. But sadly, neither Laganja Estranja nor Alyssa Edwards were there with a pink clipboard to shame the group into perfecting their choreography. But nothing and no one could prepare us for what was to come in front of the judges when the groups performed their acts. Uh, Jillian, how do you feel about this performance overall? And were there any clear standouts in the bottom for you? Um, so I was actually shocked that the hip hop group was getting crickets from the judges because I thought it was so fun. I thought they had such yeah. a great group of dancers and that they w- that it was really fun that they went the route of these grannies can get down. Um, the country group was actually the one I thought was maybe in trouble just because I feel like I wasn't picking up their verses as much. Um, but yeah. they all, but I thought they were all entertaining. I really didn't think that any group in total was in the bottom. Um, if I was like getting really nitpicky, I was like, oh, maybe Marsha, because she's definitely not painted as aggressively old age makeup. And so they might pick up on that, which <laughs> turns out RuPaul did later. Um, yeah. I did love that Selena in the country group did, and <laughs> maybe I'm the only one that thought this. I thought she looked exactly like Rita Baga, like when Rita always does her old age. <laughs> makeup like it took me a second to be like wait who is that oh it's selena um but i thought that all the groups did really well and metal like i will download that song and listen to it on repeat i thought their song was great so i think that was worth fighting for yeah and sasha i love that she has she she, sasha clearly knows what she's doing she incorporated the neck crack she knows the judges and the fans are gonna love that the non-toxic fans are gonna love that (laughs) and um i just when 
Sasha Colby entered her screamo era and it, when they were doing the preparation session and she just like opened her mouth and like that just mm-hmm. crazy screamo voice came out. I was like, yes, that is, this is exactly the kind of absurdity I want from the girl group challenge. And yeah, I think I, I, I think we're getting to the point where, and it's interesting that we're getting to this point so early on where it's like, is anybody really standing out as being bad in these challenges? And I don't think anybody stood out as being bad in this challenge. I really don't. Like I, I watched the musical performances twice and I was like, there is nobody that stands out as doing poorly in this. Yeah. And I was really kind of shocked that Robin though was in the bottom because I feel like she really committed to the dancing and that's where she comes from. Her background is as a really skilled dancer. She is really great at improvising. She doesn't choreograph. And she actually said in the interview coming up that that whole section that she did was improvised. It was not choreographed. She just felt it in the moment. She really wanted it to like, she got really method. She was like, I wanted it to be like an old school hip hop performance where you see everybody crowding around a dancer and somebody's like break dancing in the middle. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, Robin, like an actress, she put thought (laughs) and character work and study into this performance. I was like, I thought it was great. The only thing that I noticed was that, did you know when she did that death drop, it looks like she hit that stage hard like really hard and i was like oh okay i could see maybe them clocking that but outside of that i was just like what what is the thought process of putting her in the bottom here but then again it didn't make sense to put anybody in the bottom i don't think yeah and i guess especially if you're gonna ding her for being a lower energy queen after that performance it didn't really add up i could see dinging anitra for forgetting the lyrics which i actually didn't notice but then i, I guess because no. i think she was doing so much dancing with which i think is forgivable so yeah i mean but that's that's the hard thing like you do have to find yeah. two people to put in the bottom but i i yeah i definitely didn't see that coming from mm-hmm. the performances at least were you surprised at the winner of the challenge because it was aura <laughs> yeah i mean i think this is the first time that aura really stepped up to me in, so far mm-hmm. in the season um, and so I was, uh, I was, I guess, pleasantly surprised with her performance. I just don't know her enough about as a, as a performer. I know she had some injuries in the talent show, so I think she wasn't at her full capability there. Um, but I was really surprised when she won. I thought that that was Sasha's for sure. I know you can't, you know, have Sasha win all of them, or maybe they were yeah. like hesitant to give her a double win so early. Um, but I really thought that that was hers or maybe someone from the hip-hop groups because i thought they were really cute but i know you seem to come out as a a big aura supporter over the weekend is it how much of that (laughs) has to do with her having and sharing a name with a lady gaga song oh my god (laughs) it's so funny because alaska every time alaska talks about her on race chaser she's like aura um but i i mean i i i I think that aura has been uh, very. I mean, maybe it's because when I do, I do so much research on them prior to the season, and because we have to prepare for our interviews, so I'm like mm-hmm. seeing things that they've been doing over the past couple of years, and I've always been very impressed by Aura, and especially given her background. I mean, she comes from a fraternity; she is like very well versed in dance. So seeing her on the first episode doing that talent show number, I was like, okay, something has to be up because this is not what she usually does, and I was 
glad to see her be so open about it on social media about how she went through a lot at the time and she was actually injured and she was just trying to you know protect herself essentially so it'll be interesting when you know whenever we get a chance to talk to her in the future um to elaborate more on that because i think a lot of people are curious as to the circumstances uh, around her her time on the show but yeah it was nice to see her get a standout i think the big thing that stood out to me this episode with aura was that runway the runway was hands down my favorite runway of this episode maybe my favorite runway of the entire season to be honest um i thought it was just wonderful i thought the hair was perfect it was she posted some of the inspiration and references on her social media and i just thought the suit color the fit it was just i i thought it was like a to die for look and i could see any pop star today like wearing that to like the vmas or or something i just thought it was wonderful yeah it it was interesting to see the direction that the queens uh took their tie-dye to die for outfits on this runway um <laughs> you had some issues you had some issues yes uh <laughs> most of them i think did fulfill the theme i i don't know <laughs> if they all did for me but uh the good news is the runway was so quick you could barely see any of them <laughs> anyway but i mean as we said like that is unfortunate for the queens themselves and you mentioned lonnie love did even a- issue an apology on twitter <laughs> say they deserve more time which i mean yes absolutely um but yeah i mean i think that my biggest i i think that it was almost i mean okay it wasn't kimono gate level but almost like i I think that people but i think that like a lot of queens start thinking like how do i go a little bit outside of the box because maybe Mm -hmm. everybody's going to be wearing like traditional hippie tie-dye um and so like how do i not do that how do i elevate it um, which I like, but then you do get to the point where you're like, have nobody wearing something that might be a little more traditional and maybe that would have been a better way to go for some of them. Yeah. Um, well, sugar, sugar posted her look on Instagram and you could say that, well, that seemed like a pretty traditional tie dye. Uh, yeah. Look it was too, a little, a little muted, I guess for my taste, but, but yeah. Well, Marsha's backup though, um, oh. was, I think she posted her backup look and her backup look seemed like I definitely think that I, I mean, she also did post an explanation of the uh, look on social media too. She tweeted out like an explanation of um, or a justification of how the bloody nose look was tie dye, which mm. I get, like if you're really like if, if you have to like if you're looking with the ob- object of your explanation is to like fit it into the category, I think she you can just like you can see where she's going with it and why she's saying it sort of fits the theme. But I think given the fact that she posted like a backup look that maybe suggests that it wasn't her first choice. I have no idea. But um, yeah, she she did post it. It almost looks like sugars. Actually, it looks very similar to sugars. Uh, her backup looks. So it's very like, well, but uh, sugar wasn't there. So wear it. I just I guess I just I don't I don't yeah. buy the I just don't buy that there was anything tie-dye about it at all. It was a cute outfit. If she wore that to the reunion as a callback to her Marsha Brady thing, I thought Uh it would be super cute. But as a tie-dye, I just really like tie-dye is a process. I'm no fashion expert, but to my knowledge, it is the process of how you're dyeing it and then the way that it appears afterwards. And so even like those blood drops weren't in tie-dye. Like I don't understand why not have those like cut out blood drops and then have your skirt be actual tie-dye red and white of blood but it it, but i guess that's what i'm saying is that the process is 
like if you really want to have it fit the like if you're really trying to I, I guess the word i'm dancing around here is like stretching to like fit the theme it is technically if you want to say like it's white fabric and she's tie-dyeing it with blood coming from her nose like but that's, that's not that's drip yeah, like if yeah, it was drip that. drop fab to die for or something but how is that tie-dye she's not tying it to die like i don't how know do like if know? I, am i missing maybe a her in, maybe her injury process is different than yours jillian <laughs> i don't know i did love that oh what was it was it maybe mariah balenciaga on pit stop that said a, bl- a nosebleed isn't fatal one of the like recap shows was said that and i was like yeah <laughs> that was pit stop it's yeah. not um so well, yeah i i, I, I don't know I think I'm not, she looked I'm not, good. I'm not ending this convinced. I'm yes, I think she looked cute, but so good. It was a nice pop cultural reference, and we have a nice article about it on ew.com slash drag race right that's, now. So you can all go read about <laughs> our article about Marsha's outfit. That's true. But I do want to I the person that I think is not getting the love she deserves for this is Malaysia's look, which I thought Oh, it was so good. Prompt. Yeah. Her mm-hmm. she was the only one with well, Sasha also to an extent, but makeup wise. Um, Malaysia's eyeshadow was also like a tie-dye effect, which was so stunning. And then her tie-dyed print was all, or her tie-dyed fabric was also so done in a way that it looked like a flower print, which I thought was yeah. just really outstanding. And her silhouette, everything was like chef's kiss to me. So to me, that was mm-hmm. like my maybe most underrated look of the season so far. I thought she looked great. Oh, we all know you're obsessed with Mistress's look. No, Malaysia. No, I know you're obsessed with mistresses. Oh, mistresses. Look, what oh, because that's purple. Oh no, the pur- <laughs> the purple queen of the of the episode was Lucy with that purple dress. That was like I that, was immediately like wanting to order that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I know you love mistresses too. As soon as I saw that look, I was like, that is, yep, that's a genuine look. <laughs> yes. Um. So the uh, we we actually should talk about though. Uh. The because Aura ended up winning, but then it untucked this whole clash did spill over into untucked there was a moment there between malaysia and lux and malaysia using the word bullying to describe what was going on with the music selection in our interview malaysia does elaborate on this a little bit more and sort of reveals whether or not she does stand by using the word bullying so definitely stay tuned for that to to hear her thoughts on it but yeah I, i just think that it was this this argument of this sounds makes any more sense that 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 seemed to be more nuanced layers to these arguments in untucked than there was it like the ones in the workroom just seemed to be out of pure frustration and like tensions running high but this one seemed to be a more nuanced argument because malaysia brought up a lot of things that we have heard past queens talk about of like people minimizing feelings and Mm -hmm. you know i don't think marcia when she cut her off and was like i don't i'm don't like to talk about this anymore i don't think marcia was intentionally trying to do that to her but i think it was important for malaysia to say no like i need my space to discuss what i'm talking about too and then you can kind of see marcia very quickly realize what what she's saying and she's like oh yeah i'm I'm sorry i'm sorry i didn't mean it to to come off like that so it was definitely a more layered uh clash and untucked i think yeah i think it was it was uh, relatable to me or just the kind of drama i guess that i'm like it it you could see both everyone's perspective on it then marcia i think to her to her she was just like okay there's like no moving past this let's just get over it but to malaysia like had a really good point of i let you vent when you had your moments and i'm just venting and then i think lucy made 
the really good point of like not every conversation is going to have a resolution, but sometimes mm -hmm. you just have to talk something out and to get your yeah. feelings out. And so I think that it wasn't like anyone was so in the wrong that they had like that they had wronged somebody else in the room. Um, but I think that the way it played out, I'm, I'm glad that they did let it play out so much that you could really yeah. hear everyone's perspective. Cause I think there could be a way where to like suddenly like, you know, you watch it and it's just Malaysia yelling at Marsha for maybe a small comment, but I'm glad that they did let Malaysia really explain herself and show the other Queens, um, getting involved as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And even spice trying to do a duck walk charade to <laughs> help everyone get over the tension later, which was yes, very funny. Yes. So the bottom two, uh, after Untucked, the bottom two ended up being Jax and Robin, which Robin got critiques saying she was safe, but she wasn't. It, it just seemed odd to me because she wasn't in the safe group that got to stay then. Uh, it just feels like a very yeah. odd placement given that we've had like zero confessionals from Robin in the last two weeks and then she's eliminated after a lip sync with Jax. I, it just it just felt odd. Like, I mean, given Robin's skill set, like I said, coming into the show, she's a great dancer. She lives for improvising and giving high energy song and dance on the stage. The talent show alone, I, I I'll constantly go back to that as like the example of like, if you're just going to go on the stage and dance to a song and lip sync, like that's how you do it is how Robin did it on episode one. So were you surprised that Robin was in the bottom and went home for this challenge in particular? I was surprised she was in the bottom, but I wasn't surprised that she was the one to go home. I think, I mean, especially after the specific critique was that you're giving us less energy than other queens, then I think this is the time that she needed to really step it up. And unfortunately, she was against Jax. I think if she had been against somebody else, then that might have been enough stepping it up for her because she did a, a good job. It's not like she just melted in the background. She was doing flips and stuff herself. But I think Jax just like really was energetically the way that she was mouthing the words to the thing, the dance move she was doing. And so I think that I was not surprised. I I don't, I know a lot of people were upset that it didn't end in a double Shantae, uh, but I was happy that it didn't because I think like to me a double Shantae is like you have to be like Brooklyn and Evie, sorry, not sorry level. Like, I mean, you know, unless somebody is, a, it's not always going to end in like someone's a total flop and someone's a clear winner. I think like I like when someone puts up a fight, but I wasn't. I'm sad that we don't get to see more Robin, but I wasn't shocked that she was the person eliminated. Yeah, I guess that's that was wrong phrasing on my end because like, yeah, like I'm sad to see Robin go. I think she has a lot more to give. Um, I, I just I was shocked that she was in the bottom. But again, I guess I would have been shocked that anybody was in the, like whoever was in the bottom yeah. of this episode. I mean, after you, after like you said, defended like, Marsha's outfit, I, I don't think you would have allowed oh, anyone in that bottom. No, 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 no. That's not what I mean. I mean, like, it just would have, I think everybody just did so well this week that it would have been shocking to me no matter who was in the bottom this week yeah. because I think they all did well. But yeah, in terms of the lip sync, watching the lip sync, like, yeah, I think it was clear that, you know, Jax did a little bit better in the lip sync, but um. I, I do like what Robin says in our interview ahead about uh, the sort of moment she had with RuPaul on the stage right before in the moment between announcing her as the eliminated queen and the end of the lip sync. Um, Robin says she, you know, did something for herself and as a sign of respect to RuPaul too, that I thought was a really uh, interesting moment that we've never really heard another queen talk about doing before. So um, 
yeah, stay tuned for that. I mean, we haven't seen the last of Robin yet. Our exit interview with the second Connecticut queen to leave the show is coming right up and she's dishing all on whether or not Best Buy has reached out for a collaboration. What it was really like in the room for the Lux and Mistress Malaysia Sasha Colby clash, um, those improvised dance moves during the challenge and her thoughts on being in the bottom. So stay tuned for that. It's all coming up. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. You know, I love talking to you, but like, I'm so sorry that it's a little circumstances. Yes, yes, yes. Are you holding up all right? Like, how are you doing? Honestly, I'm fine. If I wasn't going to make it to the top, uh, I'm out early. I don't have to worry about uh, people's unsolicited opinions um, (laughs) on my looks and stuff from national television. Um, So I think I am doing okay. Maybe I'll ball my eyes out when I finally watch the episode, but. As of right now, I'm good. Good, good. I'm just, I'm happy that the entire workforce of Best Buys across the globe can now rest easy because <laughs> their patron regional manager is now free to return to her post and oh! run the stores like a Navy ship. Oh, I loved my post, but I will not be returning. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, 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 we're all very sad to see you go, but I truly do like the most important question, obviously, like has Best Buy actually reached out for like a collaboration since the big reveal in our interview? <laughs> not a word. It has been radio silence. Um, maybe they will one day, maybe um, they're still catching up because, you know, sometimes straight people take longer to catch on to the gay things. <laughs> um, <laughs> kidding, kidding. Love y'all. Um, but yeah, but no, they no. have not. That's absurd. They have not. That is absurd. Okay, we have to. I was at least expecting, existence. I was at least expecting a brand new Sony TV, <laughs> 60 inches. Is that too much to ask? I don't think so. Size queen, 60 inches. I mean, I need a TV for my living room. It's not for my room. It's not for my room. (laughs) Well, I mean, Robin, we have to, like, again, it's just, it's been such a pleasure watching you on this season. We have to talk about some serious business, though, too. I mean, the episode, it was was quite an explosive one, I think, to go out on. I mean, we began with the contention over picking songs for the groups. I I just, I I talked to Malaysia a little bit about this earlier, but like how Mm. long did that whole fight between Lux and Mistress and Malaysia and Sasha go on? And how Um, bad did it get before you stepped in as like mama moderator to like suggest rock, paper, scissors? I feel like um, it probably felt longer than it was, but it was probably like 10 minutes Um, (laughs) because we had to listen to the songs and, um, our team picked what song we wanted. So that was pretty quick. Uh, but yeah, it was really entertaining to watch, but also I'm just like, y'all are doing the most right now. Just, just pick a song, (laughs) just pick a song diva. Yeah. I imagine that got pretty exhausting in the moment. And 
I mean, Malaysia did say later in Untuck that she seemed to hit a breaking point after sort of being poked the entire season. So leading up to that clash over the song choice, were like, were tensions like tangibly bubbling up between everyone or did that clash sort of erupt out of nowhere? No, I think that as much as we love doing the show, it's also like many girls have described a pressure cooker. So even if something is super small, um, it just gets amplified so much more because you don't get to see the outside world. You don't get to do the things that you would usually get to do if you wanted to decompress. Like, I mean, you can go outside, but like, I can't go uh, to a restaurant. I can't go to five guys and get me a burger or something. If I don't feel like dealing with these people, because we're stuck together uh, for this extended period of time and can't not be. Um, So things are bound to happen like that, but I don't think it was something like just bubbling under the surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, things in this pressure cooker of a situation, like you said, things can just happen. And I, I mean, speaking of things that just happen out of nowhere, I, I feel like a lot of people are going to feel this way, but like, I'm kind of even just shocked that you were in the bottom for this challenge. I mean, given your skill set going into this, you are such a skilled dancer as we saw on episode one. I mean, you just, you know oh, how to work a stage. You. So the girl groups challenge and going out this way, I mean, like, were you as gagged as we are by this? And did you agree with your bottom placement? Um, Before the show premiered, I described this season as the Game of Thrones of drag. Um, I described that mostly, I feel like, because of Irene, because we all expected her to um, go so much further. She was a front runner to us, but also because, um, like, even for myself, and that's, and that's literally no shade to anybody else in the bottom uh, with me. I definitely didn't expect to be going home so early, especially seeing how I was safe or high safe, which I guess high safe really doesn't matter unless you win. But um, until I was in the bottom and then got the boot. Mm-hmm. So it did surprise you. Like it, it shocked you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit, but like welcome to drag race. You never know what's going to happen. Anybody can, anybody can get it. Uh, Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah. I mean that's yeah that makes me feel bad now that like in our first round of interviews you did you were the first one to describe it as like the Game of Thrones level twists and now it's just like sad to me it's like oh no you were talking about yourself (laughs) oh you you wanted it to be so much more exciting than my sad sad elimination I appreciate you Joey (laughs) no I just no I'm saying it's like it's it's sad that I that was like you know we were like touting that as like oh this Game of Thrones level twist and I'm like oh no Robin's talking about herself I mean I honestly I wasn't just talking about myself I think that's like a part of it but yeah literally in a season with 16 queens um who are all amazing I will I'll have to say like um getting to be a part of this season um, and not to sound corny is literally such an honor. I am a huge fan of drag uh, before anything else. I love this art form um, and to get to compete with all of these Queens who literally everybody in their own right is amazing and whatever it is that they do. Um, so even if it wasn't me, it would still be the game of Thrones of drag because at least while mm-hmm. I was there, um, it wasn't, anyone did bad it was just somebody just happened to do better in that moment yeah no i think that i can feel that from this season is that i was actually just talking with um my podcast co-host jillian before this interview and we were saying that it's like 
yeah, it seems like it's really tough to pick the bottoms on this season because nobody seems to be doing like exceptionally poorly. So it's like, Mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's a very uh, strange dynamic in that sense. Mm -hmm. But I do want to ask you about something that I noticed in the challenge, like when you were doing the hip hop group as the grannies, when you did your death drop, it looks like you hit your back, like extra hard on the ground. And I don't know if that was intentional or if that was an accident. Like, did you hurt yourself in that moment? And that's how hard it looked. Um, I honestly don't remember hurting myself. Um, I've been doing dips for a very long time now. Um, (laughs) not that accidents can't happen, but I think, um, the intensity was more from the freestyle of the moment. Like that last, um, that last little them circling and me doing whatever in the center, my doing whatever in the center wasn't choreographed. So I wanted it to be a little bit more chaotic. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where that came from more than anything, I think. And that was decided upon by like you and the team that you were just gonna, you're just like, okay, let me get this. This is my area of expertise here. I'm just going to freestyle. It's like when you see like in those old school hip hop things, like, you hop in the center. It's not planned. You just do do whatever you feel. So I wanted to keep that little authentic moment and just do what I felt in the moment. Um, that makes me love to make it fun even more. Like, <laughs> I mean, that is just I. I love that. That that makes me love it even more. That it, to know that that part wasn't planned. I mean, that's just. I, I think you I mean, did well. I really do. Also, generally, in most of my performances uh, in life. Um, unless it's like this whole stage thing with backup, background dancers and stuff. Generally, most of my stuff is not choreographed. It's literally, okay, this is what I feel like doing today uh, and just feeling the music and just making it work. So um, in that moment, I felt very at home. Yeah. yeah. My little no, it felt like it. it. It definitely felt like it. You didn't look nervous. You didn't look uncomfortable because usually like when queens have like an, a performance that gets them eliminated like you can kind of tell that like something's going on but like not mm-hmm. you look like a natural up there but michelle thank you, thank you. did uh, uh, sure and uh, i mean michelle did tell you though that uh you were operating from like a safe mode that she felt mm-hmm. but like i thought that was odd because you weren't in the safe group that got to stay and rue said there's something holding you back and i don't know what it is Um, you then said that you have seen people in your life sort of take risks and it doesn't always work out for them. So maybe that was holding you back a little bit, but, but I want to get, just get clarification on what you meant by that and how that affected your performance on the show. Um, I think that like a lot of times I would watch somebody be like, Oh, let me try this thing. And this isn't me saying like not to try things because I definitely try things I wouldn't be doing, um, drag if I didn't because that was something very um life-changing and kind of like what is this for me um but if I know in a moment that I'm good at a specific thing I'm going to try to do that specific thing because I know that it will work especially in a kind of competition setting um Mm -hmm. I honestly I will say I was operating on the show um, operating from a place of um, I want to stay as opposed to I want to win, which of course I wanted to win, but I think mm-hmm. the there's my actions were more, I want to make sure that I'm staying here. Um, and the staying here trumped the taking risks so that I could actually win. You know what I mean? Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, I do. 
Yeah, no, it, it absolutely does. And I think that that makes me consider even more what you were saying in a confessional. You said like there are levels to life and sometimes you're operating up really high and other times you're not. So was there maybe something more to the level you were at heading into drag race, like your life extenuating from the show was something maybe bothering you or, or, or weighing on you while you were filming that maybe kept you in that, that mindset? Um, so when we did our initial interview, so first, no, not really, but when we did our initial interview, um, and you asked me what advice I would have given myself and I gave the very lengthy, um, what's that thing from Karate Kid being the blade of grass? Um, the blade of grass in the wind blows, but still stands firm in what it is. It is that blade of grass, um, but is able to move with the changes. Um, I have never been the best with, um, I'm very good at adapting, but also if I say in my mind, this is how this scenario is going to go. Um, sometimes it's hard for me to readjust, um, the expectation of myself when how it plays out in my head doesn't go uh, in real life like that. Um, So I think that even, even from day one, a little bit, like we all have this image of what it's going to be like to be on drag race, um, how we're going to be, how the other Queens are going to be, what um, the challenges are going to be like. And um, kind of getting thrown into it, not thrown into it, but yes, thrown into it um, and things not always being exactly how they go in my head. It kind of um, shifted my center a little bit um, while being there. Uh, So I think that that might have very lengthy answer to your question, but (laughs) that um, might have played a role in in that and that's definitely something that I'm working on, growing on, is um, to be able to um, be that blade of grass and not everything can be planned. Yeah. No, that's a beautiful full circle answer. I think now, you know, from the beginning to now the end, at least of of this season of Drag Race for you. I mean, I I, I definitely appreciate a more considered answer than just a soundbite. That's, you know, that's that's why we're talking. And I, I just, are, are you, do you feel... After looking back at this experience, though, like, are you still proud of what you did on the show? Um, I think so. I think um, I think I definitely see where I could have pushed in certain areas a little bit more. And honestly, like, I feel like I would have really done a great job if I was able to move forward because I didn't really get to. I'm a person. First of all, I'm a person that like can take a critique. If it's actually a helpful critique, I can. Um, And my elimination episode is the first time that I really got um, critiques um, from the judges. And I was very ready to apply those and try not to play it safe and go outside of um, what I necessarily thought my comfort zone was. so if I were to stay, it wouldn't have been like, oh my gosh, how, why are the judges saying this? Like, um, I would have loved to been able to apply those, um, things, but it is what it is. Yeah. How do, so what, whenever Rude did finally tell you that, you know, you were the one that would be leaving that episode, like what was the first thought that came to your mind? 
it was kind of it was definitely like a devastating moment i first didn't live for being in the bottom which nobody does um and i didn't necessarily think that i would be the one to go home but obviously um Rue saw something a little different in Jax in that moment and um, decided to keep her. <laughs> what I do remember is um, just having like, before they tell you you're going home, um, there's like a good minute pause. And I just remember saying to myself, you know what, this whole season, I could barely make eye contact with RuPaul because it's RuPaul. Um, yeah. And um, in that moment was the first real time that I made eye contact with her. And I literally, mm. it was a staring contest by myself, but it was a staring contest yeah. with Rue. And I'm like, if you're going to send me home, you're at least going to look me in the eye and I'm going to yeah. look you in the eye and um, it will be what it is, whatever it is. Mm. <laughs> that's a moment of strength. I mean, that's a moment of strength and, and, and confidence. I mean, I, I really respect that from you, that you're, you know, you're standing in your confidence on that stage. And if you're going to go out, mm. like you're going to go out, uh, you know, looking RuPaul in the eye. I really think that that is a, a big sign of respect and dignity. So right. I, I and, think that that's great. And it's only opportunity for growth. Um, when I was, I am happy that um, it wasn't my drag that was questioned. Um, right. Exactly. The real only, the really only critique that I got was, I'm a lady and I was playing it safe. And for me, um, that's like one thanks. I love that you um, at least appreciate the drag that I do. And also um, thank you for showing it to me that I was playing it safe. So now um, no matter what it is that I do in life, whether it's other performances, whether it may or may not be doing the show again or whatever other career path that I might take, um, that's something that I can take with me and mm-hmm. make sure that I'm continuing to push myself. Um, I think that I definitely, and this is something that I wrote in my journal, um, cause I did journal like a little preschool girl oh, yes, um, yes. while I was there. <laughs> um, it, it was, um, yes, I may be regal and I sit here on like my throne or whatever, but that doesn't mean that I can't explore my kingdom, which basically means Mm. there's so many Mm. things to me that I might not even know is necessarily there that I might not even know that I'm good at. Um, So yes, I can be this poised, regal, polished person while still um, trying and experimenting with different things that might suit me more than I even thought they would. Mm-hmm. This is good. This is this interview is getting to some deep places. I mean, we are really. I mean, we're going there with Robin Fierce today. Uh, you know, I, in I, a past I, life, I might have been a psychologist. Uh, no, I'm getting. Or Oprah, honestly. Or like, Oprah. Um, it, hey. Like, or Oprah. It, I'm Oprah's very lost much that child. Vibe. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, you know, Mistress Isabel Brooks is adopting people. Maybe Oprah can now adopt you and it can just, you know, this is, season 15 is a cycle of adoption. Look, um, baby, I will I will live on Oprah's farm. Okay. <laughs> I have no qualms about that. And she posts those videos at like Thanksgiving where she just invites everybody over. And they're like singing at the table and stuff. I'm like, that is the life. <laughs> Truly the life. Oh, I just want to make Oprah. sure though. Yeah, I know, truly. Who doesn't have that thought at least once in their life? Um, so the last thing I'll ask you is, um, I, you, you, you know we weren't going to get through this interview without talking about like the topic 
Miss Amethyst. Um, she what? unfortunately left us last weekend. Uh, you had some words on Twitter. Uh, she did tell me in a prior interview, she clarified, she said it was a mutual decision to end things. Um, uh-huh. But you, again, you know, you did go on social media and talk a little bit about that. So um, can you clarify a little bit about what maybe bothered you about what was said on the show? And have you since like talked things over and smoothed things over with Amethyst? Um, I think for me, it was more... I don't like when people say a mistruth or not a whole truth about me. I don't care necessarily what it's about. So it might have come off more childish. Like who broke up with who? That wasn't my issue. I've been rejected before and I'm fine with that. It is what it is. Um, But in this case, it wasn't that. And it just came off um, like when, when she said in the confessional, it came off as if, um it was her that was like okay i'm done with you goodbye which is not uh a true representation of what happens and sometimes me and amethyst might uh remember things a little differently uh (laughs) but i remember them how they happen (laughs) well she did Um, elaborate at roscoe's too she said that one person wanted one thing more than the other so but we we have not gotten clarification on who that is who is it i um I remember this specific conversation that she was talking about and she brought it up to you in an interview that I did read where I specifically asked her what it is that she wanted. Um, Mm -hmm. And she told you she didn't want anything serious. She told me she didn't know. And then we still continued Mm -hmm. to um, hang out after that conversation. Interesting. Um, Yeah. Um, Very interesting. So maybe in that moment, I will give her grace. And maybe in that moment, what she wanted to say was she didn't want anything serious because she might have felt from me um, that I wanted something more serious. But in my life, generally with dating, I can go either way. If you want to be more serious with me, I'm fine with that, especially if we get along. Um, Because what I will say when me and Amethyst were having our entanglement, whatever, Um, It was, I did enjoy her. And it was one of the few times that like um, a relationship of mine didn't just start with sex. It was actually like friendship there. Um, So in that moment, I was fine with either or, whether it was just having fun or um, making it more than what it was. but I wanted to be clear about what it is that she wanted um, yes. in that moment, uh, because that is how I am in general. I don't care who it is that I'm messing around with. If it's not immediately clear what it is that we're doing, I'm going to ask you. That doesn't mean that I'm asking because, hey, I want to lock this down. I'm asking because I need to know what's going on for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think that that makes sense. And I thank you for clarifying that side of the story too. I think that um, now we've sort of closed the loop on that. So I will say this. The only reason it got brought up is because when we were, um, when I was talking to Spice off camera um, and she asked us how we knew everybody, I told Spice um, oh, no. about this off camera. And then in Untucked, she brought it. So my face <laughs> that I made in Untucked when she brought it up was, bitch, this no. is not something that I wanted to talk about right now. And I oh love Spice. That's, that's, yeah. that's, no shade, that's no shade to Spice. So all you spicy babies out there, don't come for me. I live just making TV. That's like, that's like my little, that's my little niece. 
but yeah, that's the only reason why it got brought up. And I don't think that um, it would have gotten brought up any other way. Yeah. I, Robin, I am just, again, so sorry to see you go on the show, but I truly great things are in store for you. I know that you know that. And, um, you know, I can't thank you enough again for just being so great in all these interviews that we've done. It has been such a pleasure to get to know you and your artistry. So thank you again for the time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our exit interview with Robin Fierce. Up next, we have Malaysia Baby Doll Fox, who gives us some insider tea on uh, giving us our first bid for the untucked crown of the season, thanks to the great TV she served in the Great Song Selection Duel of 2023 and carrying it over into Untucked. But in this interview, she also looks back at her untucked moments with Marsha and Lux with clarity, and we break down all the emotions and gaggery fueling those exciting moments in the discussion ahead. Stay tuned. Welcome back to EW's Quick Drag Podcast, and I am so excited to talk to our next guest. She has emerged as one of the key narrators of season 15 so far, slayed the runway each week, and as one of the most as of the most recent episode, she's already thrown her wig into the running for the season 15 untucked crown. Please welcome <laughs> Malaysia Baby Doll Fox. Hello, Malaysia. How are you? Hi. Oh my gosh. Am I the drama? <laughs> <laughs> oh, she knows it. As of this episode, yes, you are giving us everything we want. I am just like, this episode was so amazing. You brought the fire. I mean, we're kicking. We're kicking now. Oh I'm excited. <laughs> as you should be, as you should be. I can't, I can't thank you enough for being here. It's always a joy to talk with you. And we have we have so much to cover for this episode because you have the girlies talking both in and out of the workroom. But before we get into all the good tea from this episode, I want to take it back to last week's episode and ask about the moment. You already know what I'm going to say. The moment you said on the runway that the beautiful design you made for the design challenge was the first thing you sewed. And like the camera cut to Jack's looking a little confused. So like, I just want to clarify with you, was that the first thing you sewed? And have you since asked Jax why she looked so confused in that moment? You know what? The crazy part is last week, me and Jax had a booking in the same city. And mm-hmm. like, um, I didn't see, I, you know, when I seen that episode, I was like, you know, I got a bone to pick with Miss Jax. Because I'm like, girl, you didn't tell me that you was cutting your eye and talking about me in the confessionals. But <laughs> <laughs> it's all love. But listen, that literally, I, I'm so serious. It has been a hot topic on the internet and everywhere because a lot of people do not believe me. Um, some people believe me, some people don't. But I am here to give you the truth. I promise you, I am a spoiled brat. Like, literally, like, <laughs> all of my best friends and all of my friends are my designers. And they will tell you that, that they will tell you themselves, I hate anything that has to do with a sewing machine. Like, I will sit there and I can I have an eye for everything that I love. I can explain to you exactly what I want. And, yeah, that that's it. But I knew that when I made it on Drag Race, I was like, I'm going to have to know how to sew. So I have the video footage of me taking this one class that I took before Drag Race. So <laughs> I feel like I might have to put the evidence online one day. You should. Yes. Forensic evidence with Malaysia Baby Doll Fox. You are now like a PI. You are ne- like, yes. you need to do this. Yes. My gosh. Yeah. I mean, but, but you do as a queen, a royal queen does. You just delegate to others. I mean, I love that. Yeah. Listen, under pressure, I, like under pressure for me, it fuels um, 
that fire for me that I have to prove myself. So I think that's why I still came out with something pretty nice and pretty good. I mean, it to me, it was just, you know, it was it was wearable and it was nice, but I mean, to others, it was beautiful. So <laughs> it was beautiful. No, it was beautiful. It was a really yeah. good look. And I love the photos that you put on Instagram too afterwards. It really completed like the whole resort vibe. I thought, I thought you nailed it. I thought you did a really good job. Thank and you. of course, now we know everything is like, or at least I'm hoping everything is fine between the gals now, because this was, you know, it was filmed so long ago, but we do have to talk about this week. I mean, things got very intense when the Queens divided into the teams to perform three different <laughs> songs. Like obviously your team very much wanted the metal song. And so did the yes. Lux and Mistress team. Um, <laughs> this whole dispute, like it really seemed to rub you the wrong way. So from what you remember, how long did that fight actually go on and the workroom and what moment finally pushed you to the point where you just were like, okay, I have to put my foot down and I can't let them do this. Um, well, I don't, um, from the little clip that I've seen, <laughs> it was interesting because I, obviously I think they were playing a very strategic game. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think it like, it's, they were like paying homage to like the time when like, um, like Shangela and yes. um, the girls back then were like, they wanted reggae and it was like the, just deflect. The thing was when the, when the names of the songs was called out, I don't think anybody necessarily wanted metal from the beginning because it's like heavy metal was just like the one that people weren't familiar with. It was just like, people know it would be loud and screaming and um, all this other thing. So they were deflecting saying that they wanted metal. But in actuality, when they heard the actual song, they really wanted the metal. Yeah. So it was like one of those type of situations. So they were trolling the whole time. So, you know, I laughed and I played with them for a while. But then it only rubbed me the wrong way because they said that they were doing it. They We didn't never come to a consensus of, there was okay, not a vote, like, how right. are we going to decide who's going to get it, you know? Mm-hmm. From the beginning, it was just like they said, like, well, we're doing it and we're settling for it and y'all got to figure it out. So in that moment, it just was really triggering because I was like, well, I'm not going to have somebody tell me what I'm going to do and like that. I can't do something that I really want to do, because at the end of the day, I feel like I'm very good at everything, like um, especially when it comes to music. I'm not a singer, I'm not a rap. So I really could have did any genre, but I just didn't like the fact that somebody was telling me that I'm going to do something that they're telling me that I'm doing. So mm-hmm. I think that was like the issue for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this whole theory, though, I didn't even think about this, that, that yeah, at first, you, so you really think that they were like trying to, it Lux with her references to old seasons, like you think it was really like a Shangela moment, like should, they were trying to deflect on on what they wanted at first. Yeah, they were trying to deflect, but I think also like when they heard it, of course, like it it was a it was they a were like really, it's a good, really song. good song. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it was really good, and you could see like her telling Marsha to be quiet because Marsha was like, "Oh, I really <laughs> like the metal." She was like, "Be quiet, Marsha." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was all very, I, you know, this is like this is the core of what uh, it makes Drag Race fun. That is this kind of spark. Sometimes this I know is what, what the might... people want. This, this is what, the what they want, want. and they're yes. finally getting it. Uh huh. And, you know, I know it can be contentious in the moment, but I think, I hope that, you know, taking a step back and looking at it now, it's it can all be taken as like a fun moment, a spark of the pressure cooker, if you will. But I thought it was funny that like mothers were mothering in like a very parental kind of way, like you and Sasha <laughs> were getting really into it. Like it was kind of shocking to see Sasha 
getting angry too, because I could tell from our interviews that we did before the season when everybody was saying that you and Mistress were in the running for the untucked crown. I was like, something's going to happen here. But Sasha was the one that surprised me. So were you surprised that Sasha was like snapping back at them too? No, I'm not really surprised that Sasha was snapping back. Me and Sasha is the same sign. We both are Leos. So we yes. are both. both <laughs> we're, think about Leos is we are leaders. We're very loyal and we like, you know, we stand on it. So I knew that like once I was like already going for it, I seen like Sasha like coming right after me like, okay, well, here we go. It's time. And um, so, yeah. So even like you can see in the first um, little clip of the episode, she was like, well, we could do anything. And I was like, yeah, we can do anything, but we're not backing down. And she's like, yeah, we're not backing down because um, it had become a point where we were going at it for a while to where like, Sasha was like, you know what? Just let them have it. And I was like, no, no, it it wasn't about us doing metal that we had to do it. It was about them telling us that they were doing it without like giving us the option of wanting to do it or coming to a resolve. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what sparked the whole conflict. You yeah. know, maybe we were talking like, you know what, if we flip a coin, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I mean, eventually we 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 came up with the the result. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, you did. <laughs> How we were going to do it. But I mm-hmm. think right off the, from the beginning, like when they said they didn't want to do it, we also said we want to do it. And then right after that, they said, well, we're doing it. I was like, oh, OK, like, so you just going to tell us that we're doing it. OK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that was the conflict. Yeah. So, so everything we know that like, obviously this is, it's a one hour TV show. We know that not everything can fit. You know, you guys are filming for multiple hours every day. So how, in, in your estimation, how long do you think the actual conflict went on? Mm. I would say probably, <laughs> probably a good 30 minutes. I oh, wow. Say, probably 30 minutes. Yeah. That's a long time, right? Yeah. That's a very long time. That is an entire episode of Untucked, actually. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, because in Untucked, you and Lux did then have a discussion about it. And you said that you felt that the other team was the word that you used was bullying. And Lux seemed to feel strongly about bullying not being the word that she would have used. So in hindsight, and I in no way mean to suggest that I feel one way or the other about this. I'm purely just asking you what you feel. Yeah. Um, I'm genu- genuinely curious that after that conversation, did you then or do you now stand by using that word bullying to describe what happened? Um, I wouldn't say bullying. I think at the time, like I was very like, I think... In the midst of the conflict at the beginning of the day, it was more of them trolling and, you know, being very entitled. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also like I know like it's like, yeah, we give a great TV. But I think as the day went on and like, you know, a lot of stuff is not seen on camera or whatever, the trolling and the continuation of like the nitpicking and the telling us this and that, whatever. I think, it, you know, it was a, just it was just very off-putting for me and not necessarily just because it was that one situation. But I think when you are at Drag Race and you are isolated from the world, the way that we resolve our issues are totally different from how we would um, resolve them in the outside world. Like when you have conflict with somebody, you usually could call a friend and get their opinion or their point of view. Um, But in this um, social experiment and this, you know, (laughs) on this reality TV set, you have to really kind of lean on each other or Mm kind of find your own way. So sometimes, like, you have to just go, like, with what you're feeling at the moment. And then, like, yeah, if I could go back and change anything, I would change that I had said bully because I think it really just shift the whole mood and it probably made it something bigger than what it 
mm-hmm. really was. But at that moment, like I was very headstrong on just like that was my feeling because like it just it just reminded me of how I was treated back at home. Like when yeah. it comes to working on the show with other girls and other girls like telling me like telling me things. So it, it was just one of those moments. And I think I like let all those emotions build up and it was like mm-hmm. a pile up of everything. So I was standing on it then. But now if I could go back, of course, I say, you know, entitled mean girls and like, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think it was necessarily bullying. I mean, I've experienced that in, in life before, but it wasn't to that extent of that. That wasn't the worst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, I did want to, I'm glad that you touched on what sort of led up to this, because I was going to ask you, it seemed like it did seem like this episode, you hit like an emotional breaking point, like maybe there was something that you were feeling leading up to this episode, like you said, you were being poked at and underestimated throughout the competition. So um, is that what sort of precipitated when you then had the conflict with Marsha later and untouched because she tried to shut the whole thing down. And you were like, again, no, like you're not going to shut this down. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Like just at that point, like, of course I came into drag race, super confident. And then obviously when the competition had started, like I second guess myself, um, here and there a lot at the beginning. And then like up to that point, um, so at that point, like, I just felt like I was back at, like, square one when it came to, like, trying to prove myself. Like, mm-hmm. I thought that when I came to Drag Race, like, it's like, okay, I made it, and now I don't have to prove myself. Now I just have to show myself. But I found myself having to reprove myself again because, like, now I'm back with a group of girls that don't really know me, and they are doubting me as well. So for me, like, in that situation, I felt like my back was against the wall. So it's yeah. like... Now I'm have to put my foot down because in reality, like I'm just very fun, very bubbly, just very free spirited. Like I'm just like I'm gonna say the corny, goofy jokes, <laughs> and like that's just always been my personality and how I am. And I think just like in that moment, like um, my emotions got the best of me, and yeah. then also just me trying to explain myself, especially when it came to um, untuck. I think that's just when it became so serious to me because. I obviously knew it was trolled throughout the day and I didn't take it serious, but also like um, throughout the competition, I hadn't been that close to necessarily like Marsha or Lux because, you know, they're younger girls too. So, you know, we all see that Lux is like super confident and, you know, like (laughs) Lux is Lux. So at the end of the day, when I'm having this conversation (laughs) with Lux, it's like, I know what's going in one ear and out the other for her because it's like Lux is on her high horse. She's feeling good. She believes she that girl. And it's just Lux. Like, I would say, like, even after the show, it took took me some time, like, to really get used to Lux because I'm like, okay, like, it's a lot. But um, as far as Marsha in that particular situation, what really, like, triggered me was that Marsha was already complaining about her own problems. Mm -hmm. And everybody in the room allowed her to vent and feel how she felt. But when it came to me and particularly like Lux for that matter, when I was venting how I felt about the whole situation, I feel like she shut down my feelings. And that's what made me like really just like, you know, um, explode. Because it's like now I, I let you express yourself and although I may agree or not agree with how you felt about not being judged on the main stage or you contributing to your group the way that you did, now I'm telling you how I felt about the whole day. And I was like, okay, like I'm tired of hearing about this. 
pretty mm-hmm. much. Like, you know, it's kind of like you just shut me down because it wasn't about you in that yeah. moment or it was just something that you didn't want to hear. So, yeah, of course, like I had a breaking point at that point and she was just the person who got it because she was the person who said something that very much triggered me. Mm-hmm. Well, I think she, you know, we see that she did, I think, get it in that moment after you said that. I don't, I, I don't think that um, that went over her head when you were explaining it, um, why you felt the way you did. And she did apologize. But I was y- y- reminded a little bit of the exchange that the Vixen and Aquaria had back on season 10 when um, Aquaria began to cry in that moment that she was arguing with the Vixen. And the Vixen was like, no, 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 no. Like, I I know that the fandom sides with like the crying white twink, even if a black queen is expressing her genuine view. So like, was that dynamic, maybe not that fight in particular between those two, but like that dynamic, was that in your mind going into the show and in this moment with Marsha? And is that maybe what fueled some of your um, shutting that down as well? Uh, For me, it, it never was about like it. Like for me, it's never about race when it comes to like those certain type of things. It was just more of like she was just feeling very entitled as well, and it, for me, Marsha is a phenomenal performer. She's amazing she at is, what she does, yeah. mm-hmm. but also you have to like you have to let other people have their emotions and their feelings, and it can't all be about you. And in that moment, I really, um, I guess, she realized like, like you know what, like I overstepped my boundaries because obviously I never had an issue with Marsha prior to like I never said nothing I'm not and you can see as a confessional queen like I've never even like I've always praised Marsha like even like in the talent show or anything so I've never really had a, a personal issue with her or felt anything and like I just feel like I give people the opportunity to um be themselves it, it didn't matter who it was in that moment if they was expressing themselves I always would let anybody express themselves because I'm at the end of the day, like, I think I'm the second oldest um, person on the cast, um, right under Sasha. Mm-hmm. So I've been around for a very, very long time. So, and also I've been the person that's been very controversial sometimes, like, especially like when it comes to like trying to prove my point, like I've yeah. been the person that I will shut you off or, you know, tell you like what I think it is because I'm very headstrong in that way. And I, um, I've taught myself to, not let anybody change my mood mm-hmm. um when it comes to stuff like that and obviously like even when that moment happened like that didn't really last long i had that outburst and i obviously she apologized and i also apologized right then because i don't really hold grudges yeah. and i don't really take anything personal um just because that's what i've taught myself mm-hmm. so i don't know i just i just hope that it was a learning lesson for her but I know that the fandom is probably gonna, um, as we see, like in the past, like they might side with her not because she's right or wrong, or not because I'm right or wrong, but obviously because I was more aggressive in the situation to where I was the one to scream, you know. Um, but she said something to me that uh, that 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 pushed me in a corner to make me scream. Yeah. That's all. I don't know if I would say that if I if I went back, I would change the way that I did it because I. I'm like, I was feeling how I felt, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I wouldn't change that, but I just hope that people understand that, you know, sometimes you have to allow people to um, express themselves and have their emotions and vent how they want to vent and allow them to, you know, be whatever way they want to be without, without telling them like, okay, like you, you tired of hearing them or trying to silence their voice. Cause that's, 
that's what it was more of like sil- trying to silence me just because mm-hmm. it wasn't something that you were interested in hearing or yes. it didn't have anything to do with you. So that was my frustration. But right. of course, like I know that like those dynamics come into play when it comes to like, you know, um, the twinks and uh, the, the, the black, the color queen, all that. But I, I try not to think of it in that way, but it's like, that's just what it goes to. Yeah. Well, I think it's, that's why I think it's also important to note here, just because the fandom can get so contentious over these things sometimes, even when they're not directly involved, like how quickly after this was everything okay between you and Marsha? Um, literally like <laughs> when it happened, it was, the thing is, like, even when I streamed in that moment, of course, I was like, feel me. And I was, it wasn't just necessarily what Marcia said to me. It was like the pile up of everything. Because yeah. if if you know Lux, Lux was not even giving me the response that I needed, like, in that moment, because she was just being so, like, nonchalant. So, of course, like, that was pissing me off, too. <laughs> um, so, I think just in that moment, by, by, Marsha just intervening in it. She just got the backlash of what what probably was coming for Lux because it probably is going to be for Lux. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think like Marsha intervened, um, and that's what happened. But literally, like we sat there, like I sat there, like steam was coming my, out of my ears. Probably about it was less than five minutes, and I mean she was apologizing as I was screaming. I think I don't remember, but <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, but like right after that, um, somebody else has spoke and said how they felt. And then also, I, I apologized after that because I realized that I did scream to the top of my mm-hmm. lungs. And I now know that it wasn't personal, that, you know, it was just disrespectful. And she apologized because she realized that it was disrespectful for cutting me off. Yeah. And, you know, she's also apologized off camera. So it, it ended literally right there, right mm-hmm. then and there. Yeah. Always glad to hear that. I'm always glad to hear when things just, you know, they begin and they end just for the cameras. And it's like, I, I think yeah. in, in our earlier interviews, when, like, again, I asked a lot of your sisters, uh, so, said that you and Mistress are the front runners for the untucked crown. And I think we got our first taste of it here. So do you think it was for this episode or can you tease maybe what else is to come in that regard? <laughs> I mean, I think that's probably the one. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe next episode is some more. I don't know. Maybe so. Maybe so. I mean, yeah. I think that we'll maybe hear a clip from this episode and the beginning credits of next season, the season 16 Untucked. I think you've already secured that. So we'll say that as much. Oh, gosh. I got to hear this sound bite forever. My gosh. <laughs> hey, hey, it's, you know, it's as as long as people are reminded of you. I mean, hey, that's not a bad thing. Listen, I don't I went mad a viral TikTok like there you go. Like, you know, screaming exactly. like Malaysia. Yes, yes, yes. But I think, you know, of course, everything isn't all contentious this season. I mean, you've had some really beautiful moments. You were so open and vulnerable about your past with like religion and your family. So I'm wondering if has opening up about that uh, allowed you to like heal a little bit from those wounds and maybe hear some stories from people who have maybe been watching from home that went through similar things. Like how has that had an effect on you? Oh my gosh, like, I think, like, um, when the episode was, like, airing, I was, like, at a viewing party, so I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, of course, like, you gotta put your work face on, and, like, I was just ready to give out some tea (laughs) at the uh, viewing party, and then also, like, that moment happened, it surprised me, and then, like, I, like, got teary-eyed all over again, and I had to, like, tell the audience, like, glitter head got in my eye, but, um, (laughs) for me, like, 
I didn't really like get on the internet to the next day to see the outpouring of love from so many people like in my DMs. Like I, I couldn't even like respond literally to everybody. So I mean, the people that's listening out there, I just want to say thank you so much. I see your messages. Yeah. Um, I'm happy that you can relate to my story. And of course, like I'm in such a, um, like the thing with drag race is like, you get there and you are, you know, stuck with your feelings and emotions. Mm -hmm. So I've always felt that way, but I never had to sit and think about it, you know? And then like just being there and having to sit and think about it, it was what made, you know, what made me so emotional and made it, and made it come out that way. But I'm happy that it did because like, I, I tell you right now, like I did not plan on crying in that moment. I'm like, why am I even crying? <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't plan on crying in that moment. I didn't like it was just like an overwhelming feeling. But um, to release it was such an amazing thing, and I'm so happy that people can relate to that moment. And you know, um, yeah, I'm just happy that I could be um, inspiring for somebody yeah. like to come out and like not have those feelings, mm -hmm. you know, towards themselves of um, living in your truth as well as still like you know being a very um spiritual or religious person yeah. yeah no it was a it was a beautiful moment and i think it, yeah it opened a lot of people's eyes to things and it had a real impact and i think something else that i know you had an impact on two particular people on this cast that maybe is not getting as much chatter as mistress adopting the twins um apparently right. you were also very involved in adopting the twins as well so i really want to hear your side of uh, the adoption process, I guess we'll say, like, how did you become involved in all of this? I'm very curious to hear the story of how Malaysia is ingrained in this family as well. Yes. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I'm, 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 you know, I don't know, maybe it's more to come. <laughs> I wouldn't mm -hmm. say it's, it's over, you know, on my part, it's over um, uh -huh. when it comes, but I think like in that moment, probably like, you know, sugar um was eliminated at that point like they were trying to like you know harp on the storyline of showcasing that she you know got family at that moment um but yeah it, it all happened kind of like at the same time it happened like right when we were at the mirror and we were talking with them and i would say look like of course like i said i get like comments now literally like somebody yesterday was calling me fat and saying that I'm riding the twins coattails, <laughs> but it's no, no, no. Like I, I don't take it personally. It's so funny yeah. um, because literally like after filming was done, like they were the first people that I called, like um, when everything was wrapped up and done, they were the first people that I called and we literally talked on the phone every single day. I literally just left their house yesterday too. <laughs> You know, so very much involved. Coming. The thing was, I was feeling very insecure, like I told you early in the competition, especially like I came in confident and then like I got in my head, of course. And they were like the first people to compliment me. Like, I think it was like off camera. They was like, oh my gosh, you're so beautiful, this and that. And I was like, oh, I thought these bitches was annoying. But like, <laughs> <laughs> they actually were the first people to compliment me. And then like from there, I was like, you know, they're very likable. And then just to hear their story is what really pulled me closer to them. And mm -hmm. like, yeah, we just like had that moment. It, obviously, everything can be seen. It's like 16 girls there. So, you know, what's what's more important is always going to stand out. But um, yeah, I I love them. I talk to them every day. Um, me and Mistress, we are going to have a custody battle um, <laughs> at the reunion. So y'all tune into the reunion yes. because we're going to make the twins decide who's 
the real mother at the end of the day. <laughs> well, Mistress said, well, I interviewed her last week, and Mistress said that one of you is the mother and one of you is the father. So and well, she, she wouldn't tell and, me who was who. Well, in the words of Lucy LaDuca, she looks like someone who works at a pizzeria. So <laughs> it's giving very father to me. <laughs> that was one of my favorite jokes of the entire season so far. I'm not even going to lie. Like when no. she said that, I died. <laughs> That was hilarious, yes. They cut to the shot of her rolling up her sleeves. I was like, oh my God, not this. It was so great. Well, yes. Malaysia, truly, thank you so much for always being such a beautiful interview, both inside and out. It's lovely anytime I get the chance to speak with you. So thank you for your time and for being here. And I wish you the best on uh, the season from here on out. Thank you so much. Same. I always enjoy speaking to you. And I'm so happy to tell my side of the story. <laughs> yes. Yes. Me too. Thank you for trusting me with it. I really appreciate your time, Malaysia. Have a good day. Thank you. That does it for this episode of EW's Quick Drag. Thank you for listening. Please make sure to like and subscribe and tell us in a review what makes you think you're so metallic fantastic. Should I answer that right now for myself? What makes me so fantastic? Yes. Did you did you hear our quote queen Lux say that during the metal discussion? I think like please everybody turn your captions on every time Lux is speaking. She's the best. She absolutely is. Join us next week as we talk through another recap of episode seven. I cannot believe we're on episode seven already, featuring interviews with another special guest and next week's Eliminated Queen. And make sure you keep up with all our coverage at ew.com slash drag race throughout the year. Bye for now. Quick Drag is hosted and produced by Joey Nolte and Jillian Cedarholm, produced and edited by Sammy Junio, and executive produced by Chanel Johnson. There's weather. Cloudy weather. Ooh. Quack. <laughs>